0: Uh, Isn't it marvelous? Isn't it wonderful? I mean, every day is great. Every day is wonderful. Every day is a gift. I hope we appreciate even tomorrow or during the next week when you're not feeling great, it's still a gift. Every day is a gift from God. And we are so thankful that because of Easter, we can live in that new life, resurrection, power, and victory every day of our life. Easter Sunday, the calendar day which sets Jesus apart from anyone in history. MD Who has been, who will be, the day which changes everything. A day which shows that death is not the end, not the victor, not the last, but Jesus rose to conquer death, the last, the last foe of mankind, and Jesus has already won that victory for us. Amen. No wonder we say amen and praise Him. That today you think I'm going to read a passage about Jesus' resurrection. Well, I'm not. I'm going to read what is our daily reading for today as a church, which is about Lazarus. And then maybe, hopefully, draw out two or three things to help us over the next few moments. No, we love to rejoice in Easter Sunday, don't we? But uh, resurrection only comes after death, okay? And we need an appreciation of what Friday meant as well. And when you've got a full appreciation of what Friday meant, you've got a serious appreciation of what Sunday meant meant for us. But death is still real to many. And here's a family who death was real too, From John chapter 11. I mean from the 11th translation. It's good to read the word of God. There's power and authority in God's word. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is a Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him Lord, your dear friend is very sick but when Jesus heard about it he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death no, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. They had a habit of objecting, but in this case, they objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you really, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go to and die with Jesus. I don't think he would get a many men from any of them, but there we are. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would have not died. Even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection And the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord. She told him, I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. We're going to leave it there. If you know the story, you'll know that Jesus went on and spoke Lazarus come forth out of the tomb and he came and he was raised from the dead. But I just want to stop at that juncture and pick up some points here. We see a family who's in mourning, a family in difficulty, a fa- family who were friends with Jesus. Some of his best friends were Martha, Mary and Lazarus. If you read through the gospel you know that he, I know from other people speaking that he was very friendly, he would stay in the house, he would go to the house. He was some of their some of his closest friends. That's why the story seemed very strange to start with. Lazarus was sick, we heard in verse 1. So the sisters get a message. Lord, Lazarus is sick, come and deal, deal with it. It's like a prayer. They're sending word. It's what prayer is. It's sending word to God to say, can you help us here? They sent a prayer to Jesus. Can you come and heal? Come and do something about Lazarus. Now, if that was you and I, and we were friends with people, we would do what we could there and then, if we could really do that. But that's not what happened. Jesus here stayed for two more days where he was. Now, just put yourselves in Martha and Mary's position here. He stayed where he was, but he was still in control and he was still on the case. He was still on the case. But he stayed for two days. Just picture Martha and Mary. It's like the confusion over unanswered prayer. Jesus, we're calling to you in the greatest moment of need in our lives, whom we've needed you more than any other point in our life. And you're nowhere. The Google com to try and get an answer, and it doesn't work but they're confused. Why? How's this happening? What's happening? This is Jesus. He's our closest friend. He's our redeemer. He's the one who loves us unconditionally and forever. This this is Jesus. And yet, he's not answering. He's not coming to our rescue. He's not answering our prayers in our deepest stress, in our deepest moment of need. He's nowhere to be found, you think. And it's not that he cannot do it. We've seen him heal others. We've heard stories. We've seen him perform miracles. We've seen him heal other people. And yet, he's not doing it. It's not that he can't. We know he can. And we know he loves us, but he's not coming. He's not happening in our life. Two days he's ignoring us and ignoring our cry in desperation for help. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? in your point of need and you've cried out, maybe you're there today and it seems as if heaven is shut. It seems as if he's not answering, that God is not listening to you. Maybe it's a loved one in distress. It's maybe a family crisis, a relationship issue, a financial issue, a career issue, a work issue. It could be so many things. But it seems you're crying out and this is Jesus but there's confusion over unanswered prayer in your life. Just think how those disciples must have felt that first Easter, that Friday, that Saturday. Confused, what's going on here? This is not how it's supposed to end. He was the Messiah, He's, all he did was good. He, he was the one. What's going to happen now? What's going to happen to us? Look what they've done to him. What are they going to do to us? This is not how we thought it was going to pan out. Confused state. Easter. Between Friday and Sunday. Confused state. He was our hope. We'd put all our eggs in one basket called Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, make it Jesus. Make it Jesus. Because he is the only one who can fulfill. Not just your Easter eggs. Every day of the year type of eggs. Jesus. And just imagine Peter. He says, I'm, I'm going fishing. And the disciples say, we're, we're giving up, we're going too. The confusion that surrounds, this is not how we'd hoped it would be. And maybe you get some confusion over unanswered prayers. But in their place of confusion, Martha and Mary... Jesus appears and his presence can change everything. From a place of confusion over unanswered prayer they find comfort of his unrivaled presence. Mary and Martha and the confusion are being consoled and comforted by friends and neighbours and goodwill people round about them. And listen, we should be people who aim to comfort others. We should be people who aim to bring comfort and help people. The Bible, it's clearly Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, say this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to comfort them with the same comfort God has given us. And it wasn't just theory with Paul because later on in that Later, he says this, When we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. So listen, we need to be people who comfort others. Many people come to Mary and Martha. And sometimes it's difficult, I know, in situations. How do you comfort people? How, how can you help people when words are not enough? Sometimes words are not needed. Just sometimes your presence is enough. Sometimes we don't know what to say, but I want to say just being with somebody can bring comfort, especially those that are closest to us. I know in my moments where I'm in need of comfort, or I'm in difficulty, or I'm in distress, just knowing is there, even in the same room, brings a comfort to me. Even if she doesn't say anything. Sometimes, especially if she doesn't say anything. <laughs> just sometimes. But listen, sometimes you think, I don't know how to comfort. Just get alongside people. And sometimes just letting them know that you're there is enough to bring some comfort into their life. Let's be a church who does rejoice with those who rejoice, but let's weep and comfort those who are in mourning, as we're instructed to. But listen, in Martha and Mary's home, there are people to bring some comfort, there's people to bring a bit of consolation, and that's good. But listen, there's only so much that we can do. And just imagine Mary and Martha, they've got this confusion, their prayer's not been answered. There are people there to comfort them, but it's not enough. But something changes when Jesus arrives on the scene. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes into the place. Martha rushes out to meet him. Yes, she had questions about why and if only and stuff like that. But you know, There was something in Martha that realized, thank you for the comfort, but there's something about Jesus beyond anything else. There's something that no matter what people can bring, there's a whole other level when Jesus enters the place. Jesus is here. What about Martha? Jesus is here. And immediately Martha got up and ran towards Jesus because even in our heart and our pain, thank you, friends. Thank you, neighbors. Thank you for your being around us. We appreciate the bit of comfort you brought. We appreciate you getting alongside us. But you know what? You know what? Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And he can bring us something that no one else can bring us. When Jesus enters a place, the atmosphere changes. The room lifts. Something changes when Jesus is in the place. And Martha, in a pain and a confusion, still recognize, thank you guys, you're great. But you know what? There is one. There's one who's greater. And he's just come to my door. And I need to be in his presence. And I need to be in him. And I need to get alongside him. I need to be with him. I need to get alongside him him, because he can bring something you guys can't do. Listen, if you read the Easter story, if you read the Easter story, if you read, and Luke records, I think it's chapter 24, very early in the morning, these women, bunch of women, they they went to the tomb. They went to the tomb to bring spices and whatever, because there was something that says, even if he's dead, there's just something a bit close to him, even though he's dead, that goes beyond anything else. It's like Peter, when Uh, If you read John 6, I think it is when people are are turning away from Jesus. They're walking away from Jesus. And Jesus turns and says to Peter, are you going to go as well? And Peter says, "This this is a Peter good day. Peter had a lot of other days, but this was a Peter good day. And he basically says, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life there's great guys about, but Jesus, when it comes down to it, you're the man. You have no rival. You have no equal. You you have no equal now and forever. God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all other names. You've not got any rival, Jesus even in a bad day even when the going gets tough even when it's hard and difficult and I've been through tough times there's still no one I'd rather be with there's still no one's presence I'd rather be amongst Jesus you have no rival yours is the name above all other names and Martha realised that and today in your confusion you may be in a place of unanswered prayer let me encourage you don't draw away and draw into yourself Stay in fellowship and get connected with other people, but listen, but embrace His presence in a greater way, because His presence can bring unrivalled comfort into your confusion of unanswered prayer. And then, His presence brings a place, a place of confidence in His unfailing promise. Martha brings her confusion to Jesus, and she hears this promise: "I am the resurrection." in the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. What a hope, what a promise that is that we have. And this has been said probably every Easter, and I'll probably say it every Easter, and other people will say it as well. Jesus did not become the resurrection alive because he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead because he already was the resurrection and the life. (laughs) This was before Jesus died and he made the declaration, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Because he conquered death, we have the unfailing promise of living after he dies. Anyone who lives, believes in me, will never die. Will live even after we leave this life. I love, I'm going to say I love funerals. I don't love funerals. Okay. I love the AOG handbook when it comes to funerals. This is what we declare for those who have got faith in Jesus, if you do the full thing the promise of sure and certain hope of resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, and rose again for us, and who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they may be like his glorious body, to him be glory forever and ever. Sure and certain hall, What words those are? And Jesus gave that promise to Martha, an unfailing promise of eternal life in heaven as opposed to eternity in hell separated from God forever. But you know, it's an unfailing promise, but it's also conditional. He said, Martha, do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. And he asked every one of us, in order to receive that unfailing promise of life once we leave planet Earth in eternity with him, he said, do you believe this? Kathy, Emma, Peter, do you believe this? And the response is up to us, yes, Lord, I believe. And for those who say, yes, Lord, it's you have that promise of eternity in heaven. He brings new life. If you embrace the fact that on Friday afternoon, he died to take the punishment for our sins, our mistakes, our mess-ups, our failings, he took all the punishment on Calvary, and then he rose on Sunday to make sure we embrace the new life that he rose to give us. And if you've never prayed, and asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. If you've never really came to Calvary on a Friday, like good Friday, and just come and say, Jesus, I reckon I know that I've messed up, I've sinned, and I need forgiveness. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my punishment for me. You can do that where you are right now. You can pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. Then say, thank you for rising on Easter Sunday so that I can experience all the power and blessing of the new life that you died for. But listen maybe in the band that can going to come up now not finished for another half an hour but it just encourages you if they come up <laughs> maybe you already know Jesus as your saviour I believe that God wants to bring a comfort into your confusion if that's where you're living things may look bleak and you might have given up hope on promises that God has given you but I want to tell you God's still on your case maybe you're confused about why it's not happened, God's still in the case Jesus is still in control he's still in charge let's have a look at this story in summary here in verse 1, Lazarus is sick in verse 4, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death in verse 14, Lazarus is dead this seems to be a contradiction in scripture Verse four: Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. You said. Verse fourteen: Lazarus is dead. Verse fourteen: The dead man came out of the tomb. The dead man came out of the tomb. He had died, but it did not end in death. It did not end in defeat and despair. He went through it, but it did not end there because of Jesus, the resurrection life. What happened between? He died and he got out of the tomb. I'll tell you what happened. The man whose resurrection and life intervened and stepped into the scene and changed everything. The resurrection and life spoke resurrection into Lazarus and he walked out of that tomb. You know, Easter Sunday and Easter doesn't just speak to me of eternal life promise. I believe it. Jesus made every promise of God come alive. I believe Easter Sunday shows that God made every promise come alive. Two Corinthians one and twenty says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through Him, Amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. I like where the C V says it starts. It says, Christ says yes to all God's promises. And let me just say something. If Christ is dead, he cannot say yes to God's promises. God's promises are real and alive to us just because Christ is alive. And all the promises in the book or the promises in Scripture, everyone that is there, they're alive. Just because Christ is alive, because when the promise is there, Christ says yes to that promise. Yes to that promise. That promise you've got, if this was still Friday, there'd be no promise, because Jesus would still live. But for the promises of God to come alive, it needed Christ to say yes to the promise. It needed Christ to say yes, and we say amen. The church says amen to the promises of God and I want to tell you today and I want us to close, if we could stand I'm going to say a couple of prayers but I know that some of you have got promises and you're confused because I've not been answered but I want to tell you Easter Sunday is not just about salvation it means that God's promise to your life is unfailing because Christ rose from the dead and Christ says yes to your promise Christ says yes to your promise that promise that relationship can be resurrected that sickness will not end in death that ministry can rise again that career path that you thought was lost can be resurrected that crash in your life can be healed and made well again that ministry can rise again that financial loss that promise come come alive again because Christ is alive to say yes to all the promises in your world and we simply say Amen to your promises Christ says yes we say Amen and know what's great about this story God get greater glory out of the story Jesus says this is though God gets greater glory and in all our life whatever's happening is for the glory of God listen if Jesus had just healed Lazarus It'd have just been like any other one. But now, all over the world, even people who don't come to faith talk about like, a Lazarus experience with people. A lot of them don't understand it, but it comes from the Bible. But listen, some of you who have maybe been through tough times, let me just declare this. What God did for Martha and Mary was greater than what they asked for. They asked for a healing, but they got was a miracle. What they got was something way beyond what they wanted. So maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe you're in a place of confusion over your unanswered prayer. I want to encourage you to draw comfort from his presence and, get, and, and keep near and close to him. But I want to tell you today that those promises are still unfailing. You can have confidence in his unfailing promise. And even though it's not happened to be he wanted, I'm going to pray pray, and remember that God does more than what you were asking for and believing for at the beginning. Can we all pray for a moment? First of all, I'm going to say this, but One want us all to pray. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as Savior Maybe You don't understand it all. You don't need to understand it all. All you need to understand is that I'm a sinner, I've messed up, I deserve punishment, but Jesus took it on a cross for so me instead. Give me God, caused Jesus to take it. I, mean, I just ask him to forgive him, embrace him as Savior, and receive his salvation as your life. So let's all pray this together. My praise the first time. I repeated a hundred times. Jesus, thank you for Calvary. Thank you that you died to take away my sins. To take the punishment for me. Jesus, I'm sorry. And I receive your forgiveness and your salvation. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I can experience the new life that one of you could give. Today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. And I choose to follow you. Amen. If you haven't prayed now for the first time, can you please speak to Billy or Kenny to swing your hands at the end of the service and they'll help you on your next steps. But listen, maybe you've got maybe you're in a place of confusion or of something. Maybe you felt that promise and died. This morning, you just feel faith rising, and there's a resurrection to that promise. I'm going to pray that God can resurrect it, it can come into your confusion, and what He's going to do, I'm going to pray up to your faith that He's going to be doing even greater than what you were believing for in the promise of us. So, if that's you, just stick your hand out. You don't need to, if you've not got any, that's fine. But I'm sure somehow God, Lord, I thank you me. that you can come and speak into confusion. For those are confused and hurt over their unanswered prayer, Father, I pray, Lord, that your comfort, that Jesus will come and cause his presence just to surround. Let them just get a sense of warmth and comfort and the confusion all around them. Lord, I pray you'll heal any hearts. I pray you'll bring something of hope into their Always this hurt and pain. And Lord, I pray for every promise, Lord. Every promise that we thought was not going to happen. Every disappointment of promises unfulfilled. Lord, I pray that faith will arise in this house this morning. I pray, Father God, that the people will experience the confidence in your unfailing promise. You're still in control. You're still in charge. You're still working on the case. You're still working behind the scenes. And I pray for every promise which has appeared to be disappointed and disappointed and failed. Lord, that you will resurrect those promises. You will fulfill those promises. And Lord, I dare to believe and speak faith that you will do even more than what the original promise meant to people in this house. Lord, that whatever it was, whatever great it was, you will do even greater. Father, we thank you, Lord, as we declare again the promises over our life that Christ says yes, and we as a church say amen because of resurrection, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.